good advice? And who would be the right person in the Bible to, to seek advice from? And then it dawned on me, yeah, why not go to the guy who had about a thousand women in his life? He'd be the right guy to, to speak to me about women, wouldn't he? Well, 700 of those to his, with his wives, 300 concubines, a different era. Uh, so, yeah, I thought, I thought Solomon would be a great person to, to learn from. Um, you can imagine my amazement then when I opened Proverbs and he knew this same woman that I know. In fact, he even called her by the same name. Over and over again, Solomon refers to the same woman and explains how good-looking she is, how desirable she is, and what her name is. Her name is Wisdom. Wisdom, apparently, is a girl. Which... Yeah, it is, it, it's not too flattering for all the guys in the room. But wisdom is, as a girl, he speaks, Solomon speaks over and over and over again about this, this woman is a she. He refers it time and time again as, he refers to wisdom as like we would talk to, uh, what we'd say about a ship or a, or a car or a, or a country. She's beautiful. She's nice. In, um, That'll work, didn't it? Chapter 3 in, in Proverbs, she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies and nothing can compare to her. Long life is in her hand, in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her those who lay hold of her will be blessed. In chapter 4 it says, Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her. It's starting to get intimate, isn't it? Embrace her and she will honour you. Later on in chapter 9 she is preparing a feast uh, for all those who want to come to, to eat. And she is wisdom. It's important note to, to say that um, that Solomon is talking this way because he is giving instruction to his son. Which son that is, I'm not sure. You know, with a thousand women, the number of children he could potentially have the mind boggles, isn't it? So which son he we don't know, but he is giving advice to a son. And this being Mother's Day, I'm not sure how this particular illustration works for the girls, but Solomon is saying to his son that he needs to be attracted to wisdom in the same way you would be attracted to a girl. You need to find a lovely. Solomon here is saying, you, you need to, son, you need to let your eyes wander in this direction to this woman called Wisdom. You need to find her attractive. You need to find her desirable. How that works for the females in the room, I'm not sure. But, but you also need to find wisdom desirable and attractive. 
And later in, in, um, in Proverbs, we get to chapter 7 and 9, and Solomon here starts to talk about another kind of woman. He starts to talk about um, a different type of woman, so he's still teaching his son, and he's saying, if, if the other woman was named Wisdom, this woman he's talking about would be called Foolishness. And she is described by Solomon to his son as a bit like a prostitute. She is attractive, but for the wrong reasons. A woman who's flaunting it, a woman who's deliberately being seductive and tempting. And Solomon saying to his son that her ways lead to death. Stay away from her door, he says. Make your, make your path away from her door. You see, the foolish way is easy. Uh, wisdom, I guess, see, wisdom isn't instantly attractive, is she? she? She's a little bit angular. You know, she's not instantly attractive, but you have to stare at her. Solomon says you have to find wisdom attractive, find her beautiful, admire this one, spend time with this one. But you can't speak about wisdom without speaking about foolishness. Jesus did this. You remember he said, the wise man was the one who listened to my words and put them into practice. And he said, that guy was like the, the guy who built his house on a rock. When the storms came, the, the house stood firm. And Jesus also spent time explaining about what the foolish man looked like. He was the guy who listened to Jesus' instructions but didn't put them into practice at all. He was like the guy who built his house on sand. And when the storm came, the storm washed away the whole building. Jesus saying the fool is the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. The fool. In my experience, it works a bit like this. It, how wisdom works is that you, you should hear the words of Jesus. That, that then becomes knowledge. You then take knowledge and you attempt to put it into practice. And if you're like me, you'll trip up there and you get it wrong. And so you go, you, what we ought to do is go back to God again and say, Holy Spirit, I, I messed this up. Can help me to start again. And and the process starts all over again. That's how wisdom ought to happen. That's how wisdom ought to grow. Knowledge, see, is, knowledge is fairly simple to teach. Most people can learn wisdom if they apply themselves. We, we, uh, sorry, knowledge. Most people can learn knowledge if they apply themselves. We learn knowledge at school or uni or whatever. Even here, we learn knowledge. But wisdom is more difficult. Wisdom is the, it comes with time. Wisdom comes by making mistakes and learning from them. Wisdom, wisdom is knowledge applied well. As Cam mentioned last week, godly wisdom comes from God himself. As, as we work through this life, we, we must face our difficult decisions partnering with the Holy Spirit if we're ever going to be wise or we're ever going to make a, a wise decision. It's an interesting thing in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. In, in the Amplified Version, 
it says something different. It says, um, my son, again, Solomon's teaching his son, my son, be attentive to my wisdom, and in brackets it's got godly wisdom learned by actual and costly experience. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? In the 90s, I did a management course. And that sounds really great, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound really, really, um, you know, up this high level? It was one of those courses, it was a part-time course, so I did after work. And it was one of those courses, you really had to work hard to fail. If you wanted to pass, you just had to turn up and submit some sort of work. Um, but I, I, did, I, I did pretty well and I got grades in it, like most others got good grades in it. Um, because it was impossible to fail. But I, I remember this one module of work. We were supposed to explain what workplace culture was. And so I, I wrote you know, a page or so on that and uh, handed up and I got it back from the guy and he put this big red cross and said, this does not explain workplace culture. That's 20-something years ago. I can't remember anything else of that course, but I remember that thing I got wrong. Wisdom's like that, isn't it? We've got to make the mistake and go back to it and until it becomes the knack. See, a house on sand is easy. It's quick. And that pretty much explains the fall, doesn't it? Whatever is easy, what is the most least resistance, whatever is the easy option. The fool won't learn from their mistakes and the fool is easy enticed and he doesn't remember, doesn't remember God's instructions. The fool makes a mistake and after making a mistake doesn't return to God for instruction. He in fact blames him for the mess he's created. I've, I've come up with a bit of a scientific formula for you all just to say that I can show off and pretend that I know what I'm talking about. I, oh, come back there. Uh, we should have looked at that before, shouldn't we? Anyway, see, see that I've got this scientific sort of uh, formula there? It's kind of nerdy, isn't it? But it, it explains wisdom. Wisdom equals knowledge practiced. So what we have here, we have wisdom equals knowledge practiced to the power of 20 which sometimes it takes us 20 times to practice something before we get back to knowledge, to wisdom. For the slow among us, it might take us wisdom to the, uh, equals knowledge to the power of 100, so we might have to do it a few more times to get to wisdom. See, I don't think it really cares. I don't think God cares what, how long you take to get to wisdom, as long as we keep seeking it. I used to work at a, a piggery, someone Greg Bissett works at, and I was, I was in charge of the feed mill. And uh, I remember after working there for a while, you get, you, you sort of, you know, you mix up grain, there's, there's all there's tons and tons, 100, 100 odd tonne a week. So you mix up grain, and the grain gets crushed, and you mix up other in, in, ingredients that come in from different directions, all come into a mixing silo, and you, then you put it into the truck. and. So you could have up to sort of 10 or 12 augers running at the time. You know what an auger is? Shift grain places. 
And, and when everything's running properly and, and doing what it should be, it makes a sort of a tune, makes a sort of a rhythm. And you learn what that normal should sound like. And I could hear that even in the lunchroom up the hill. And I used to freak people out sometimes and I'd just jump up out of the lunchroom, shoot out the door because they didn't know what was going on because that tune, that rhythm had stopped. It was just more than just, I get down there something's broken or something's, you know, a belt's burnt off or something. It's more than just um, knowledge of how an auger works to shift grain from one place to another. It was the wisdom had grown to I know what it sounded like. I had a bit of a knack for it, I had a feel for it. And when it wasn't in place, when it wasn't happening, something wasn't right. That's how wisdom is. More than just knowledge. I remember an old guy when I, I just I left school and, and we, I was home at the farm and and this guy uh, came to fix the windmill. So you fix put the windmill all back together, one of our windmills. And uh, some of you guys might know old Rolly Feast. Gary knows, yeah, yeah. Old Rolly Feast from the bay. He he put it all back together and he's he's the guy who. Probably never went to university. He probably didn't even finish high school. But in his own right, he's an engineer. He just had knowledge of stuff like mechanical stuff. And he, and I, you know, I was straight out of school. I knew how a windmill worked. You know, the the thing he turns up the top and it pumps water out the bottom. I, I pretty much knew how it worked. But this guy had wisdom. I had some knowledge. He had wisdom. He, he, I remember him asking me, he looked at me, he said, Did it, does it run true? Uh, I'm going, what? Does it run true? What he meant was the windmill fan blades, do, did they run perfect in a perfect alignment or was it a bit sort of wobbly and a bit out? Because when he put it back together, it wasn't perfect. Did it run true? Uh, I, I had to get someone to explain what he was talking about. But he knew. He had a knack for it. Had this... Wisdom was a, a deeper level to what knowledge was. These days, wisdom says you throw away your windmill and you put a solar-powered one in because it's much easier and cheaper. Also, on the farm we have this backhoe, a John Deere backhoe. So, to operate the backhoe, you know those backhoes that works with the, the arms like that, and like a big thing. You dig up dirt and you shift it there. The first time I drove that thing, it's got two joysticks and it's, each joystick works in four directions. And the first thing I got, time I got in that thing, I thought, I'll never figure this thing out. You make a bit of a movement, it jerks and moves everywhere around. But over time and over years, I've learnt that exactly what all those levers do and now I can get in there and just about do it in my sleep because you get a feel for it. Wisdom's like that. Continued practice. So we add to our knowledge, we add wisdom. You see, it's one thing to know something, one, one, one thing to know how to do something, it's another thing to know how to do something. Do you understand that? I'll say it again. It's one thing to know how to do something, it's another thing to know how to do something. You can go through life with just knowledge. It's like going through life with just one of your five senses working. 
God gave you five. See, wisdom is the knack. So we go now to Adam and Eve standing in the garden near a tree they weren't supposed to touch. They're supposed to steer clear of it. Eve reaches up her hand to take some of the fruit off this tree. Why? Because the Bible says, if you read the, the account, she thought it was attractive. The th- three things she thought, it says in there, says she, it was good for food, pleasing, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. All those three things were lies. Lies that she believed. She wasn't desiring wisdom. She was actually desiring knowledge here. Do you remember what the tree was called? The knowledge of the good, of, of the good and evil. And Cam prayed this before I got up, but he said, you know, it's knowledge for the wrong reasons. What did Satan say to Eve? He said, you eat this tree, you'll know as much as God does. You'll have the same knowledge as God does, knowing good from evil. So it wasn't a seeking of wisdom, it was a seeking of knowledge for the sake of power. She wanted to be as smart as God. And I'm not just picking on Eve here. Adam was standing right there. It's Mother's Day. I've got to be careful I don't pick on the girls. You know, Eve was having a few thoughts here. Right next to him, next to her was Adam who wasn't having a thought in his head. He should have said something. She wasn't seeking wisdom. She was seeking knowledge. And if there is any sort of knowledge that we are learning. You see this going on in the world today and even in church circles, sadly, that people want to gain knowledge, not to seek wisdom, but to seek some sort of edge, to seek some sort of power over another person. To say, I'm at this level and you're down here. If you're at that sort of thing, if that's the reason you're desiring knowledge, stop it. If you're desiring for knowledge is to gain wisdom then that's the right way around. Do you ever wish you could interject yourself at some points in scripture so you could add some words of wisdom yourself? For me it would be this one. If I could go back in time and interject myself in any time in history it would be right here. And do you, Can you imagine the words you'd say Excuse me. If you could, um, if you could just yell out something. Remember, in the Bible, it says that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the centre of the garden. So there's some good symbolism there, right? Um, symbolism for a lot of reasons. But a lot of people make that mistake. But here, these two guys—they're they're looking inward into the centre of the garden. Now, all our problems in life come from there when we start looking inwards and we get too introspective, focusing on everything for ourselves, if I could interject myself into that situation and say something, I would yell out, turn around! Turn around! What is the other side of you, you dopey twits? 
You are in Eden. You are, it's not just a garden, it is paradise. This is a picture in the Bible of what heaven will be. Eden restored. And here she is looking at this fruit, thinking it's good for food. Turn around and swing your arm in any direction, you'll get food for acres. Good for food. The decision she's about to make will make sure that her and her husband will now have to work for food. There's plenty of food around. She's talking of wise decisions. All she had to do was turn around, both of them. She saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. This is a problem that many of us have, particularly guys in that these calendars, you know, where things are pleasing to the eye. So just, once again, turned around. You're in paradise. Plenty of things, good things, uh, are pleasing to the eye here. You just have to turn around. See, we were all of us destined for Eden. We were all created for Eden. We are all meant to be there. And I'm convinced that sometimes the dumb decisions we make in life are because we're trying to get back there in our own silly efforts. That's the reason we max the credit card out to the things we can't afford and buy things we don't need and look at pictures we shouldn't be. Because there's a part in the back of our mind and our back of our soul that says, I was deserve something better than this. I was meant for Eden. I was meant for paradise. I was meant to live in this uh, more of a life of ease. And yes, you're right. You were meant for all of that. But going about it in those ways is like Adam and Eve staring inwards at the tree. You're going about it all the wrong way. The only way we can get back to Eden is one way, and that's through the, the cross. The sacrifice that Christ made is the only way we get back to Eden. If there's some of you today that have made wrong decisions and you've, you've been that Adam and Eve staring inwards at the tree and being tempted by everything, all the wrong things, can I give you some advice? Turn around. Walk back towards the God who will lead you back to the true Eden. Solomon gives us two women. One of them is wisdom. One of them is foolishness. Which one will you pursue? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and we ask you as, as one that you would lead us to wisdom that the knowledge and things we learn would over time lead us to godly wisdom, that would lead us to you, that would lead us back to Eden, that would lead us away from the stupid decisions we make sometimes when we are focused inwardly, focused on all the temptations and all the, the things offered to us. We pray, Lord, you may take us on a journey. For those of us amongst us that that don't know you, 
call their hearts to turn around. Turn around and follow you to paradise. And I pray, Lord, that the rest of us would know what it is to know a wise God and to follow a wise God and to seek and, and love this woman called wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.